2: to Newmont's second quarter 2020 earnings call. All participants will be in a listen-only mode. Should you need assistance, please signal a conference specialist by pressing the star key followed by zero. After today's presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Please note this event is being recorded. I would now like to turn the conference over to Jessica Largent, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please go ahead.
0: Thank you, and good morning, everyone. Welcome to Newmont's second quarter 2020 earnings conference call. Joining us on the call today are Tom Palmer, President and Chief Executive Officer, Rob Atkinson, Chief Operating Officer, and Nancy Beese, Chief Financial Officer. They will be available to answer questions at the end of the call, along with other members of our executive team. Turning to slide two. Please take a moment to review the cautionary statement shown here and refer to our SEC filings, which can be found on our website at Newmont.com. And now I'll turn it over to Tom
3: on slide three. Thanks, Jess. Good morning and thank you all for joining our call. Newmont continues to manage through the COVID pandemic from a position of strength and our diverse, balanced portfolio of world-class assets provide stable production with significant leverage to rising gold prices. Turning to slide four for a look at our second quarter highlights. Our resilient operating model supported the delivery of solid quarterly results despite the ongoing impacts of the COVID pandemic on our business. We safely resumed operations at Cerro Negro, Yanacocha, Eleanor, Penasquito and Musselwhite the five sites placed into care and maintenance earlier this year. In the second quarter, we produced 1.3 million ounces of gold at all its sustaining costs of $1,097 per ounce. We generated operating cash flow of $668 million and free cash flow of $388 million. And we continued to safely advance project work at Tanami Expansion 2 the Beaker Underground, and Mussel White. Our investment-grade balance sheet, combined with liquidity of $6.7 billion, provides us with significant financial strength and flexibility. We ended the quarter with $3.8 billion of cash and have lowered our net debt to adjusted EBITDA ratio to 0.6 times. We declared a second-quarter dividend of $0.25 cents per share which remains the highest-yielding dividend among senior gold producers. It is also worth noting that over the last 18 months, Newmont has returned more than $2 billion to shareholders, demonstrating our track record of industry-leading returns. At Newmont, we have a fundamental belief that strong environmental, social and governance performance is not only the right thing to do, it is also an indicator of a well-managed business that delivers sustainable, long-term value for shareholders and other stakeholders. In June, we published our 16th Annual Sustainability Report, which details Newmont's strategy, approach, targets, and performance related to material ESG issues, ranging from climate, water, tailings, value-sharing and human rights, through to corporate governance, tax strategy, ethics, and compliance. The report transparently covers what we have done well, where we have learned lessons, and how we plan to improve. And I encourage you to take some time to read more about our efforts in this space by visiting the sustainability section of our website at newmont.com. Turning to slide five. Combined with our proven and resilient operating model, Newmont's deep bench of experienced leaders and mature systems remain a competitive advantage in these unprecedented times. We will continue to maintain our wide-ranging COVID protocols at all sites, ensuring that we keep the health, safety and well-being of our people and communities above all else. Whilst we have had employees and contractors test positive for the virus, our quarantine and contact tracing procedures have proven effective in mitigating the spread to other employees and local communities. Two weeks ago, I visited our Boddington operation in Western Australia. And even though Western Australia currently has no community spread of this virus, our robust controls remain in place at Boddington. It was great to experience firsthand the work all of our operations are doing to ensure that we do not lose focus on protecting our workforce and communities during this time. The confidence and pride at Boddington was very high, and our team there is absolutely focused on safely delivering to their plans. I am incredibly proud of all of our employees for how they are overcoming the challenges we've faced this year. With focus and resolve. Across the globe, we are finding new ways to move the business forward by better leveraging technology, fostering greater collaboration, and building a deep sense of community despite having to work apart. We're also strengthening our relationships with external stakeholders by embracing our core values of safety, sustainability, integrity inclusion, and responsibility in every engagement with them. Earlier this year, we established a $20 million global community support fund to assist host communities, governments, and employees. With input from local stakeholders, we identified three focus areas, employee and community health, food security, and local economic resilience to ensure that our financial support will have the most positive impact and reach those who need it most. Our efforts have included the provision of personal protective equipment for frontline workers, the construction of an oxygen plant for a regional hospital, partnering with local food banks for families in need, and micro-lending and revolving loans for businesses in host communities. Sadly, one area we have seen significant need as a result of COVID is domestic violence. We have also partnered with agencies who serve women and children in need of safer environments. To date, we have distributed nearly $6 million, with another $4 million in process pending completion of a governance process designed to ensure that the funds go where they are intended and are utilised effectively. We committed to managing our fund with collaboration and transparency, and you can find a regularly updated list of all recipient organisations on our website. These efforts will continue in the weeks and months to come so that our host communities can thrive long after this pandemic is behind us. Turning to a look at our global diverse portfolio on slide six, among our 12 operating mines and two joint ventures, we have eight world-class assets, each of which deliver more than 500,000 ounces of consolidated production per year, at all in sustaining costs of less than $900 per gold equivalent ounce, and a mine life that exceeds 10 years. Importantly, all are located in top tier jurisdictions that we define as countries classified in the A and B ratings ranges by each of Moody's, S&P and Fitch. In addition to our eight existing world-class assets, Newmont has two emerging world-class assets, with Yanacocha in Peru and Miriam in Suriname. These emerging assets within our portfolio offer upside through further optimisation and development over the coming years. We also have an unmatched project pipeline, with Tanami Expansion 2 being executed, and both Ahafo North and Yanicocha sulfides advancing towards full funds decisions next year. It is from this foundation that we can create additional value as we optimise our longer-term projects and deliver decades of profitable production. Turning to slide seven, Our stable production profile will generate more than 6 million ounces of gold per year through to 2029. This decade-long production profile is underpinned by our eight world-class assets, our industry-leading exploration program, and our three key development projects, Tanami 2, which is in execution, along with Ahatha North and Yanakocha Sulfide. This profile is further enhanced with over $1.5 billion per year of additional revenue from producing between 1.2 to 1.4 million gold equivalent ounces from silver, lead and zinc at Penasquito and copper at Boddington. Combined, we will deliver well over 7 million gold equivalent ounces per year for the next decade, the most of any company in our industry. Turning to our free cash flow generation potential on slide 8. We expect to generate substantial free cash flow throughout the gold price cycle. For every $100 increase in gold price above our base assumption, Newmont delivers approximately $400 million of incremental attributable free cash flow a year. Using our conservative $1,200 gold price assumption, our base free cash flow would still total more than $5 billion over the next five years. And at current gold prices, our portfolio will generate more than $17 billion of free cash flow over that same timeframe. In addition, we have the potential for further upside with tailwinds from favourable oil prices and foreign currency exchange rates. Looking forward, we are well-positioned to continue executing our capital priorities and staying focused on long-term value creation. With that, I'll hand it over to Rob to discuss our operational performance on slide nine.
4: Thanks, Tom. Turning to slide 10. The strength of our diversified global portfolio, along with our operating model and capable workforce, continues to be a key differentiator for Newmont during this unprecedented time. During the second quarter, we, ex- we executed safe and efficient restart plans at Cerro Negro, Yanacocha, Eleanor, Penisquito and Musselwhite, which I will discuss in more detail shortly. As Tom mentioned, we continue to maintain the extensive protocols across all of our sites to ensure the health and safety of our workforce nearby communities and we have been operating with a significantly reduced site-based workforce who remain committed to the safe delivery of our plans as you will recall we made the important and proactive decision to continue paying our employees through june despite the status of their operation which has impacted our second quarter unit costs it was absolutely the right decision and it has been an essential factor to allow the safe and efficient ramp-up of our operations with the full support of our workforce and local communities. For the second quarter, we incurred approximately $195 million of care and maintenance costs and approximately $33 million of COVID-19-specific costs related to additional health and safety procedures, transportation costs, and community support fund disbursements across our entire portfolio. Over the last few months, we've seen near-term headwinds as our increased health and safety protocols impact operating efficiencies, particularly in the mine, with staggered pre-start meetings, the elimination of hot seating, and transport changes impacting productivity. However, we've been able to partially offset these impacts by reducing the number of people working at site, implementing new rosters, and taking advantage of downtime to plan for longer-term efficiency improvements. And I will touch on these further in the regional overviews. I'm very proud of our team and what they have safely accomplished during this unprecedented time. But as we continue navigating through this global pandemic, I can assure you our focus to drive efficiency and productivity gains is more important and acute than ever. And we are well positioned to deliver a stronger second half of the year, turning now to slide 11 for an update on Australia's performance. At Boddington, we began to reach higher grade in the South Pit, and earlier this month, the team achieved 21 million tonnes through the plant year to date which puts them on track to exceed 40 million tonnes by year-end. As our three-year stripping campaign nears completion, we will continue to mine higher grades into 2021. We continue to invest in the autonomous haulage system, which we expect to be fully operational next year. mine delivered yet another solid quarter, and the team is continually looking for ways to improve the way we work, Just recently, the mine implemented even-time rosters to improve productivity on shift change days. With the interstate border closures in place in Australia, I am incredibly appreciative of many of the team and their families for their willingness to temporarily relocate to Darwin from other parts of Australia, allowing us to continue safely operating through this period. The Canna Mine Expansion 2 project is also progressing, and all critical activities have continued. Working with our EPCM Worley, we are now approximately 30% through the engineering design, and the overall project is about 10% complete. Travel restrictions did impact second quarter development rates. However, we recently added a fourth crew to help mitigate the efficiency losses. In early July, the box cut for the production shafts foundation was completed, And we placed the second raise bore on surface, so overall things are tracking well. And two weeks ago, the first buildings for the new camp near the underground mine arrived on site after traveling over 2,000 miles. The camp will initially be used for the construction crews, and when the project is completed, it will be repurposed to accommodate our mining crews to improve fatigue management and save 80 minutes a day in travel time between the current camp and the mine. We are also progressing our study work of Oberon remotely, including a review of surface layouts, mine and process plant infrastructure options, and updating the resource model. Our hydrogeological drilling has been delayed, but we are working with the traditional owners to access the area and safely re-mobilize the team. The Oberon deposit continues to grow as an open-pit opportunity and the potential to get beyond 2 million ounces as we define the high-grade structures and understand the upside of this prospective deposit and how this further improves our production outlook. Australian's 2020 production and cost outlook is unchanged with approximately 1.2 million ounces at $900 per ounce AISC. Turning to Africa on slide 12. Ghana has seen an uptick in COVID cases over the last two months, but our teams at Achim and Ahafel continue to adhere to strict protocols, and our quarantine and contact tracing procedures have been effective in minimizing the impact to our operations. Achim delivered solid second-quarter performance with higher throughput despite a planned maintenance shutdown and expects to reach higher grade in the fourth quarter. At a half we continue to progress stripping at the Wanzhou and Subika open pits, while advancing underground development for the updated mining method at Subika Underground. Development rates at Subika Underground are ahead of schedule, and we recently received the bore machine, which will further support development progress. The 2020 outlook for Africa is unchanged, with 850,000 ounces at $870 per ounce AISC, as we expect a strong second half of the year, with AHAFO reaching higher grade in the open pits and Sabika ramping up tons from the underground. Turning to slide 13 for an update on the AHAFO North project. The AHAFO district provides significant upside potential from the underground opportunities at Awanzu, Apenzu and Sabika as well as from Ahafo north. Located just 30 kilometers north of our existing Ahafo operations, it is the best unmined gold deposit in West Africa, with approximately 3.5 million ounces of open pit reserves and more than 1 million ounces of indicated and inferred resource. Similar to Tanamine in Australia, our ability to expand in this prolific region is underpinned by our successful recent investments in the Ahapo Mill expansion and Sabika Underground, which has created a very strong platform for our future. Our plans include building a standalone mill, and the project is expected to produce approximately 250,000 ounces per year over a 13-year mine life for an investment of approximately $700 to $800 million. Our project work continues remotely, with the team focused on engineering and design work, as well as construction, procurement, and community planning. We have also been able to advance the permitting process with the Ghana EPA through both virtual and limited face-to-face sessions. And earlier this month, we submitted our initial environmental impact statement for review. We also received engineering and design approval from the Ghana Highway Authority the Highway Diversion and Improvement Project, which was a key milestone for the project. We remain on track for a full funds decision in 2021. Moving to our North America operations on slide 14. During the second quarter, the North America region resumed operations at the three sites that were previously in care maintenance. At Penasquito, We began a phase ramp-up in mid-May consistent with the Mexican government's regulations. Government representatives visited the site, including the federal undersecretary of mines, to review our protocols and said Penasquito is the leading example for how all Mexican mines should operate during these times. We began ramping up the mill and mining activities at the beginning of June and were quickly back to pre-COVID record levels in the plant by mid-June. We remain very focused on delivering value from this world-class asset by applying our full potential program to eliminate constraints, reduce costs, and increase productivity, and ultimately allow us to extend mine life through resource conversion. As previously highlighted, we also recently completed a definitive agreement to resolve all outstanding disputes with the CEDROS community, which was a significant milestone and which now establishes a clear path forward for both parties to develop a long-term partnership to create value and, importantly, improve lives. This agreement was signed with the community-elected representatives and will be ratified in the General Assembly that will take place when COVID-19 gathering restrictions are lifted by the government. Both Porcupine and CCNV and continued without major interruption during the second quarter. And at Porcupine, we saw improved recoveries with a greater proportion of ore coming from the border and underground. At Muscle White, we resumed work on the conveying system in early June after working closely with First Nations leaders and the provincial health authorities on a safe restart plan. By early July, our contractor cementation had its full project team on site, and we are on track to complete the conveyor installation by the end of 2020. The Muscle White materials handling project will begin mobilizing for completion activities in September to align with the conveyor timeline. We restarted the mill for stockpile processing on June the 19th and resumed the underground mine development work at the same time. Our full potential work at Muscle White is progressing well, and our team successfully completed the diagnose phase entirely virtually in April and May. From that work, the Underground Workstream identified approximately 25 opportunities to improve development productivity, trucking performance, and ore body modelling. I'm excited about the future at Muscle White and the ability to drive valuable operational improvements in the year ahead. Turning to Eleanor, we restarted the mill in late May after approximately 60 days in care and maintenance. Earlier this year, the mine undertook a review of ground support conditions, and we completed some necessary rehabilitation work before ramping up production activities. We expect to reach more normal levels of production in August, as we manage through ongoing travel and logistical constraints. Construction on the lower mine materials handling system project resumed in early June, with the conveyor belt installation and commissioning of the first rock breaker. We expect the project to be operational in mid-August, streamlining the transportation of ore to surface. From the beginning, we flagged that Eleanor was the operation requiring further optimization as newmont's technical experts critically assess the asset and the opportunities to improve the geotechnical model. We remain positive on the value we can unlock from Eleanor, however we are taking the proper time to fully integrate the updated geological and geotechnical models to deliver an optimized life of my plan. As a result, we expect a lower production baseline for Elianor of approximately 250,000 ounces per year, and work is underway with support from our full potential program to ensure the cost base matches this production level. To support this important work, we've made a number of changes to the site leadership team since the beginning of the year, with a new general manager, mining manager, exploration manager, health, safety, and security manager, who are all now on board. This leadership team is driving fundamental changes to how we operate, with a sharp focus on sustainable improvement using back-to-basics principles in order to build a strong foundation in the years ahead. The North America 2020 outlook has been updated to approximately 1.4 million ounces at $1,040 per ounce AISC, with an additional 880,000 gold equivalent ounces from silver, lead, and zinc. This outlook includes the impact of sites previously in care and maintenance and the changes at Eleanor. Turning to South America on slide 15, Marion delivered solid performance in the second quarter, as higher recoveries partially offset lower tons, mined as the site managed through wet season impacts. The team also safely completed planned mill maintenance in June and began to reach higher grade as we transitioned to harder ore. Yanacocha began ramping up in mid-May after being in care and maintenance for approximately 60 days. Mine and mill activities were suspended during the care and maintenance period but we continued all critical activities, such as water treatment, which enabled ongoing production from the leach pads. The mill restarted in mid-May, and mining activity resumed in late May, and we expect to reach full operations in September. We are placing catcher ore on the new Caratúgo leach pad again, and expect to recover these ounces later this year. However, Yannikoch's outlook has been updated to reflect leach cycle disruptions in 2020 from the timing of war placement. At Cerro Negro, we took advantage of the approximately 60-day care and maintenance period to perform a significant amount of mill maintenance and modifications to improve throughput. The team is managing through several constraints, including government and provincial travel restrictions, in addition to inclement winter weather so the mine is currently operating at about 50% capacity. Given the site is mine-constrained, we are running the mill in campaigns in order to ensure cost efficiency until we are back to normal mining rates. Full potential implementation is underway, and the priorities remain focused on back-to-basics mining practices, which includes improving development rates, ground control, and backfill practices. The 2020 outlook for Cerro Negro has been updated to include COVID-related constraints and our ability to achieve improved development rates and access higher-grade ore in the fourth quarter. Looking forward, we remain excited about the potential to extend Cerro Negro's mine life through our exploration program, and we recently secured a large land package of approximately 550 square kilometers near Cerro Negro. The South America 2020 outlook has been updated to just over 1.1 million ounces at approximately $1,100 per ounce AISC, which includes the impact of sites previously in care maintenance and the COVID-related constraints at Cerro Negro. We are also excited about Yanacocha sulfides progressing toward the full funds decision of 2021. So turning to slide 16, Yanacocha has been a cornerstone asset to the Newmont portfolio for decades and we continue to see promising drilling results. As you can see here, the first phase of the sulfides project is focused on developing the most profitable deposits and is expected to produce approximately 500,000 gold equivalent ounces per annum through 2030 and extend Yanacocha's operations into the 2040s. As we advance towards a full funds decision next year, we look forward to providing more information on this exciting project in due course. So wrapping up with our 2020 outlook on slide 17. Despite the decision to place five operations in care maintenance, we expect to produce approximately 6 million ounces of gold at all in sustaining costs of $1,015 per ounce in 2020. With an additional 1 million gold equivalent ounces from co-products, compared to the outlook provided in mid-May, production is unchanged, while our costs applicable to sales has been lowered to $760 per ounce, and all-in sustaining costs is unchanged at $1,015 per ounce. Our sustaining capital is increased to $900 million as we've been able to ramp up faster than first anticipated at our operations previously in care maintenance. Our total 2020 capital expenditure is expected to be approximately $1.4 billion as increases to sustaining capital are partly offset by further changes to the development capital schedule for TANAMINE Expansion 2, which defers some spend to 2021. For exploration and advanced projects, we've lowered our 2020 investment to approximately $350 million. We are fortunate to have the largest gold reserves in our industry at 95.7 million ounces, and we completed the majority of our reserve drilling in the first quarter. However, as we continue to focus on keeping our people safe we currently expect to replace approximately 60 to 70% of our targeted reserves delivery by the drill bit from our managed operations in 2020. We also experienced some lab processing delays at the start of the pandemic, but are now seeing normal turnover times. We also restarted exploration mapping activities at Coffee using a 100% Yukon-based crew and we are prepared to restart greenfields activities as soon as local restrictions are lifted in areas of Africa, Australia, and South America. Our longer-term target of organically replacing at least two-thirds of reserves depletion over the next 10 years remains firmly intact. The changes to the way we operate from COVID have been substantial. And as the pandemic continues to evolve, with the potential for a second wave becoming more likely, we may have to take further measures to protect our workforce and our communities. And with that, I'll turn it over to Nancy to discuss our financial results on slide 18.
0: Thanks, Rob. Turning to slide 19 for the financial highlights. Despite having five operations in care and maintenance, our financial performance improved significantly compared to the prior year quarter, demonstrating that tailwinds from favorable gold and oil prices and foreign exchange more than offset the COVID-related impacts to our business. During the second quarter, Newmont delivered solid results with higher revenue of nearly $2.4 billion despite fewer ounces sold, adjusted net income of $261 million, or 32 cents, diluted share, and adjusted EBITDA of approximately $1 billion. Cash from continuing operations was $668 million, and free cash flow was $388 million, a nearly six-fold increase quarter on quarter. Turning to slide 20 for a review of our earnings per share in more detail. Second quarter gap net income from continuing operations was $412 million, or $0.51 per share. Adjustments included $0.28 related to the change in fair value of our equity investments, $0.04 related to incremental COVID-specific costs such as additional screening protocols, transportation costs, and community fund disbursements, $0.02 related to tax adjustments and valuation allowance, and $0.03 of other charges. Taking these adjustments into account, we reported second quarter adjusted net income of $0.32 per diluted share. While we adjusted approximately $33 million of non-recurring incremental COVID-specific costs from our second quarter net income, we did not adjust out approximately $195 million related to the five operations temporarily placed into care and maintenance. Costs here included wages, direct operating expenses, and non-cash depreciation. It's worth noting that our ANI per share would have been $0.15 per share higher if we had adjusted for these costs. Turning to slide 21, as Tom mentioned, Newmont continues to manage through the COVID pandemic from a position of strength. There has been no change to our industry-leading capital allocation priorities which include maintaining and strengthening our investment-grade balance sheets, growing our margins through the delivery of our full potential continuous improvement program, and growing our reserves and resources through disciplined investments and organic growth. And finally, returning cash to our shareholders through a sector-leading dividend. We ended the quarter with liquidity of $6.7 billion, and our net debt-to-EBITDA ratio improved to 0.6 times. Newmont's focus on leading shareholder returns remains stronger than ever, and we declared a second quarter dividend of $0.25 per share. Over the last six quarters, we have returned more than $2 billion to shareholders through dividends and share buybacks, a track record that demonstrates our commitment to providing the highest returns. Lastly, while the recent rise in gold price is notable, we will continue to use our conservative assumptions around $1,200 mine plans and continue our discipline around capital allocation. We will also invest in profitable projects, return cash to shareholders, and maintain a strong balance sheet. Excess cash flows generated from periods of higher gold prices could be used to further improve our balance sheet and provide additional returns to shareholders. With that, I'll hand it over to Tom to wrap up on slide 22.
4: Thanks, Nancy,
3: And concluding on slide 23. Newmont's superior operating model, combined with our incredibly talented and dedicated workforce, are key to maintaining our position as the world's leading gold company. Whilst businesses across the globe have faced unprecedented challenges this year, I am very proud of how we have responded and that Newmont is able to provide our stakeholders with a solid foundation in the midst of uncertainty. We have the industry's best portfolio, with world-class assets in top-tier jurisdictions, the largest gold reserve base of 96 million ounces, significant exposure to other metals, all of which positions Newmont to reliably produce more than 6 million ounces of gold every year for at least the next decade. And we will continue to apply newmont's discipline with resolve to deliver cost and productivity improvements to expand margins i'm very excited about what the future holds at newmont beginning with a strong second half to 2020. thank you for your continued support and please keep safe and well as we continue to navigate through this pandemic with that I'll turn it over to the operator to open the line for questions.
2: We will now begin the question and answer session. To ask a question, you may press star then 1 on your touch tone phone. If you are using a speakerphone, please pick up your handset before pressing the keys. To withdraw your question, please press star then 2. At this time, we will pause momentarily to assemble our roster. And our first question comes from Tyler Langdon of JP Morgan. Please go ahead.
1: Yeah, good morning, Todd, Rob, uh, and Anthony. I hope you're all doing well and thanks for taking the questions. Um, I guess just to start, could you talk a little bit about the risk to production in the sec- second half, like if COVID cases just increase from current levels around your operations? And I guess specifically, you know, are there actions you can take so to sort of reduce the risks of having to shut down you know, the five operations that you previously put on care and maintenance? And is there sort of less risk, you know, at the operations um, that were never shut down?
3: Thanks, Tyler, and um, and good morning. I'll pick that one up and then maybe get uh, uh, Rob to provide a bit more colour as well. Um, we remain, um, all of the protocols that we've had in place and had in place since March, still remain in place, even in those places like, um, like Australia with um, Boddington and Tanami in both of those, parts of Australia there is no community spread but this virus is nasty uh, it's terribly contagious and we are keeping those protocols in place that's not just the things we're doing on the operating sites around social distancing and hygiene it's also about um, keeping uh, people off the operating site if they're not part of the of the workforce required to operate the and maintain the mine and the processing plants so this virus is still a way to run um, as we're seeing around the globe. So we are maintaining that discipline across every one of our operations in terms of those protocols. That's the best thing we can do. That's the things that we can control. Um, we are concerned and, and monitoring carefully um, different parts of the world, but particularly through South America, um, Mexico, um, Peru, Argentina. Who are st- those countries are still struggling terribly with this, this virus, um, and we're doing everything we can to support um, our folks in those parts of the world, and part of that is keeping those, those protocols firmly in place and ensuring that we've, we're screening folks, uh, we're keeping up those, um, the social distancing, the hygiene, and we're, we're managing the, um, the quarantining and contact uh, tracing um, if we do pick up a case. Uh, Rob, did you want to add any further colour to that?
1: Thanks,
4: Tom, and uh, I'll just add a couple of things, Tom, uh, to your question, Tyler. I think the other thing that we've been doing throughout is just had very regular uh, communication with respective authorities and the government, and that's included quite a number of site visits, so they've seen the standards at which we're adhering to and uh, in many cases you know when people are on our site it's actually better than being in the community so just having that confidence in what we're doing at site and continuing to do that's really important and i think the other couple of things just to build on the the very practical things that tom outlined is that we did change rosters before to have you know our sites with longer rosters and that makes sure there's less turnover uh, during these times and uh, you know that obviously helps and also just minimizing any kind of visits and minimizing the number of people that we've got on our sites. So after the last three, four months, I think we've come up with a number of very successful tactics. But as Tom said, the chronic unease uh, is very much there and uh, we're not dropping uh, our unease at
1: all. You're great, that's helpful. And then just um, had two uh, was quick financial questions. With the Goldcorp synergies, I think the target was $340, 340 million this year uh, and then a total of $500 million next year. Is there sort of any change to those numbers and then just with uh, capital allocation, I know sort of the, the longer term plan is to kind of invest roughly half the free cash flow into business and then uh, the other half towards sort of dividends and repurchases. Um, just with the dividends and repurchases, is there any sort of updated thoughts there or is it something where you're still sort of waiting to see just how the impacts of, uh, of COVID play out?
3: Next slide. I'll pick up your um, synergy question and ask Nancy Beasy to pick up the capital allocation question. On the um, on the synergies, uh, those those numbers so the 340 million of cash flow this year and the 500 million of cash flow next year, which exceeds our initial commitment of 365 million uh, from that transaction. Those those commitments are built into our guidance, uh, and we are we are delivering on those. And a lot of this, a lot of the value for this year has come from uh, three areas, the GNA um savings, so they bundle up expiration and GNA. There's there's uh, you know upwards of 150 million there. There's supply chain um, improvements and then there's the big value driver is Penasquito and uh Penasquito is is performing very well um, either side of the what was the shortest uh, shutdown period for care and maintenance and it ramped up very quickly so uh, are uh, performing, uh, synergies are delivered. Nancy, do you want to pick up the capital allocation?
0: Sure, so so really on the capital allocation we just recently raised our dividend very significantly and so our view is while there's still so much uncertainty around COVID and, and just understanding the full ramification of that on our operations, we feel like that dividend is, is very solid for, for now and we will continue to consider what we should do with the dividend level going forward and our capital allocation, you have it just right, as we've indicated before, is approximately over the cycle, 50% of that back to the business and 50% of that back to shareholders. I would, we think we're at the top of the cycle, but it's really hard to say right now. But our view would be we'll continue to evaluate that and, and continue to look at dividend levels as we put the backdrop of our business plan for next year in place and really understand the, the balance sheet ramifications.
1: Okay, great. Thanks so much. Thanks, Tom. Take
3: care.
2: Our next question comes from Greg Barnes of TD Securities. Please go ahead.
3: Yes, thank you, uh, Tom. Or perhaps Nancy, do you have any idea what the ongoing COVID-related costs will be, either in millions of dollars or per ounce? I'll pick that one up, uh, Greg. Nancy may want to uh, build upon it, but it's it's that uh, it's roughly four to five million dollars a month, which is around the seven to nine dollars per ounce, which is around the, the things we put in place um, around hygiene, around um, uh, different different transport that you need to, to maintain social distancing and the like. So that's the that's the cost that you're seeing um, and the cost that you could expect to. To have ongoing as we um, we we continue to have those protocols in place, it doesn't include. It's a bit harder then to to then measure the the productivity impacts of of um, needing to clean out a vehicle between um, you know, as as you do a hot seat change, um, as you um, as you have different ways for running pre start meetings and all of those productivity impacts that you, you have that uh, that are, that are over and above that. Now you get some tailwinds and we'll get smarter at doing that. Uh, but a, a rough rule of thumb is that um, four to five million dollars a month. It's the additional cost for those um, for those uh, measures. Nancy B, would you add, add anything to that?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's right. And So that that translates to about three dollars an ounce. And the other piece of that is other community funds that we may spend. But those, just as a reminder, those are adjusted out of AISC and adjusted EBITDA and ANI will certainly continue to impact free cash flow. So, again, it's, it's not huge dollars in the overall scheme of things, but we would anticipate incurring those uh, on a regular basis for the foreseeable future.
3: Okay, thank you. And just the second question, Tom, given the environment we're in and the amount of free cash flow you're generating, are you doing any early work or contemplating about how you could actually increase your production profile? Greg, no. Um, What we're looking at um, are those two projects that are in late-stage definitive feasibility studies. So um, it's a Halfa North and and Yanacocha Sulfide. So they're they're both um, late-stage definitive feasibility, full funds next year. They're two sizable projects, um, and they they will have um, a contribution to that production profile with the ebbs and flows over that ten years that's where that's where our focus is um, and that they'll be um, you know sig- significant uh, drawers on on free cash flow into next year and then the other thing you've got to balance up with that is that that'll have three significant projects in Tanami, to a halffo north jacation sulfides all happening in parallel and it's about then balancing that with your um, your project execution risk um, we will continue to invest in those, those studies that are further up the pipeline, but we won't unnaturally move them forward. They, they need to go through the proper... They're big projects, and they need to go through the, the, the proper rigour and process, and we'll continue to spend on, on our exploration efforts as well. Um, so, uh, nothing, nothing significant, um, uh, but we'll continue to navigate our, our project pipeline through its natural course. OK. Thank you. Another way of looking at it is at current prices, that uh, as we continue to work our uh, margins, applying full potential, is, um, it means more margin. Sure. Yep. Thank you. Thanks, Greg.
2: Our next question comes from Jackie Prisbalowski of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
5: Thanks very much. I, I guess I'll, I'll first I'll, um, I'll ask Nancy, maybe circling back on the, the capital allocation and dividend question. Uh, given where we are at with gold prices today, um, have you have you thought um, about maybe the difference between uh, increasing the regular dividend versus maybe just topping up with a with a one time or a special dividend um, in in light of you know maybe the the peak gold prices we're at? Is that something that you guys would think about doing?
0: yeah we look at all those different options and i I think as we've we've talked before there's a host of tools in our toolbox ready for use so we we do prefer to consider how our, our regular dividend travels against the cycle but i would say at this point in time we're just in the middle of putting together our 21 business plan and so our view would be is let's continue that work see how the next five years stack up and then we'll be in a really good position to test various tools against that backdrop and and see where we are as we continue the journey of capital allocation. You know, as a reminder, we just increased our dividend, so we feel like that's a very good level throughout the cycle. And certainly understanding that we are generating more cash at this time, we will, as always, continue to evaluate the right way to return that cash to shareholders. (laughs)
5: <laughs> fair enough um if if I can also ask on um on the full potential program um if i know i know uh the last couple of months have been very difficult but uh, are you able to give us a, a bit of an update in terms of how it's going at penasquito and um and are you uh, i know you mentioned that you've realized quite a bit of synergies there but are you realizing the uh the benefits from the full potential program that you were expecting?
3: Thanks, Jackie. I might ask Rob to uh, give you some colour on uh, our full potential, which is going very well, but uh, he, he can fill in some details for you.
4: Thanks, Jackie. And the, and the simple answer is, you know, very much so. That uh, Tom mentioned, and his preamble about uh, the the rates that we were able to achieve after we came back from. Uh, the, the care and maintenance, and really within just a handful of days, we were back up to the record levels that we were reaching before. So going through the mill, we were well above the 110,000 tons a day, and uh, you know that that just shows the the amount of effort, the stability, and the focus that the team's got there. You know we're also making uh, big improvements in the mine in terms of the way in which we're, we're digging the ore to make sure there's no dilution and just the accuracy of what's going through the plant uh, there as well. And uh, really across the board at Penasquito Jackie as you know, that there is, uh, there's opportunity everywhere in terms of the way in which we're utilizing our equipment, the effectiveness of our drill and blast, the quality of the blasting in our supply chain, you know, working on the... Uh, the availability of our equipment, the effectiveness of our maintainers, etc. On all those counts, we're seeing improvements. And uh, you know, I, I, I think you know, the longer that we continue to run, the more records that we're going to break there. So in answer, Jackie, it's been very positive.
5: Uh, great, that's, that's great to hear. Thanks
2: very much, Rob, and uh, that's it for me, thanks.
3: Thanks, Jackie, take care.
2: Our next question comes from Fahad Tariq of Credit Suisse. Please go ahead.
1: Hi, good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Um, Can you provide just a bit more colour on some of the geotechnical issues at Eleanor? Uh, I know you touched on it during the prepared remarks, but maybe just talking about some of the options that you're looking at to lower the cost there. Thanks. Thanks,
3: Fahad. I might pick that one up with a little bit of colour and then um, get Rob to provide some more details. But uh, Eleanor's a similar story to the the one we uh, we had at uh, Leeville in Nevada back in fifteen and sixteen where to really get an understanding of of uh, a complex geotechnical ore body, um, you need to take your your models to uh, an order of magnitude more detail. Um, and once you 've got that level of understanding in that model, you bring the geological model and you can better um, map out your mine plans and then your your appropriate mining methods uh, for that ore body. That's the work that we've been doing um, over the over the last uh, several months in actually using some of the same people in Dave Thornton and Kate Williams who did that work very successfully um, and led that work very successfully um, at Leeville in Carlin back in 15 and 16. And, and now uh, Leeville is a very important part of the, the Carlin Underground Complex at Nevada Gold Mines and and largely because of that excellent work that they did. So that's that's the work that we're now applying uh, to Eleanor and all of that knowledge and skill that we're applying to Eleanor. But I might get uh, Rob to give you some more specifics about the Eleanor,
4: Eleanor mine um, and that issue. Thanks, Tom, and thanks for the question, Fahad. And just to reinforce what Tom said is that, you know, as a miner, the, the two key things that you look for in an underground mine is a geological model that you've got confidence in and a geotechnical model you've got confidence in. And, you know, we're we've arrived at that position. And I think, you know, when you kind of look back to uh, what we reported early in the year about the reserves and the resources that, you know, we have got work to do in terms of the the stoke design, in terms of our dilution and recovery. And those are the key things that we continue to to work on at at LNR. And it really is the, the basics of mining is... How do you make sure that you're putting in place stops in the right sequence and the right size that you're not bringing on new forces of geotech which cause disruption moving forward so that when you stand back in terms of the costs, you know as I spoke about before, we are resetting Eleanor to an operation around that two hundred and fifty thousand ounces moving forward, and we have to reset the costs around that and uh, obviously outside the the people numbers and uh, as an example of that, uh, pre-COVID, at Eleanor we had about 1,200 employees and contractors. You know that's certainly got to get down to more like the 900 uh, people level. We've also recognised in our full potential area that uh, uh, the the highest cost activity is in our development, and we know that we we've got to increase and improve the development rates that we're we're achieving there. And certainly the, the team is very focused on that. Similarly, with all of our heavy equipment, we had too much gear at Eleanor, and we've basically stripped uh, the, uh, the heavy equipment out to really be focusing on the, the amount of equipment that you need. To, to run a mine of that size, and whether that's the trucks, that's the loaders, that's the bolters, so we are now approaching the, the right amount of uh, equipment. Now, obviously, that needs less operators, it needs less maintainers as well, and it flows into the, the cost, but the key thing which I'd emphasize, it really is around that uh, managing that dilution and the recovery, and that's where the, the team is very much focused on. The other key point that we do have coming very much into our favor is the commissioning, of the the lower mine handling system that that is essentially in essence removes the need to truck up uh and 500 meters so it's going to provide quite a big productivity kick there but i hope that provides you with some some detail uh in terms of what we're doing at eleanor and last but by no means least we've got the team in place and we've got the focus there which will really drive that uh harder than than ever before so uh, with that uh Hope that helps for
3: had
5: that's very helpful thank you
3: thanks for that. Having-
2: our next question comes from chris terry of deutsche bank please go ahead
3: hi
6: tom nancy and rob hope, hope you're all going well um i just had a few sh- shorter questions hopefully um firstly just on on muscle white just wanted a little bit more clarity on the exact timing, then. I, I think there's just been a little bit of confusion over the over the exact quarter when we should expect um, production. Thanks.
3: Thanks, Chris. I'll I'll get uh, Rob to pick that one up.
4: Thanks, Chris. Muscle White is going very well. Uh, that uh, we're expecting the conveyor system to be uh, up and running come the end of the year. So it is the fourth quarter, uh, and uh, in, in December is the current timeframe that we're looking at. And just to give you a sense that, uh, you know, in terms of the progress there, that we've got uh, two key conveyors there that we're doing. We've got the conveyor frames hung, you know, on one of the two-kilometer stretches. We've got all the hanging supports in the other. So really the critical path is around the fire suppression and then actually pulling and splicing the belts. But, uh, you know, at the end of the year is what we're very much focused on, and it's progressing well, Chris. Thanks, Rob. And then just in terms of
6: the, the uh, use, use of capital, I guess, um, the CapEx, you know, minor changes in 2020 versus 2021, uh, and then also just thinking about the Greenfields expiration, which you'd pulled back previously. So is, is, the, is the increase, uh, it's all just COVID-related? There's no kind of fundamental changes in, in thinking of allocation or anything on that side, you would expect that you'll ramp up greenfield activities as you get better access to sites in, in simple terms?
3: That's right, Chris. So you'd expect to see our exploration go back to the similar spend um, as we guided to this year uh, once we've got access to those locations. Um, and then I think with the, if I've understood your question correctly with development capital, you'll see we was focused on the critical path at... Um, at Tanami Two, you'll see some of that, that spend that would have been this year flow into into next year. So you'll you'll see a bit higher development capital in um, in 2021 as a as a consequence of that. Uh, sustaining capital will stay uh, pretty stable. Um, we don't see uh, any any bow wave in the sustaining capital.
6: Okay, and uh, you two two other quick ones. So the the autonomous work that you've done, can you just give an update on? Where we, we, in terms of Boddington, and just if you've done any more work on other sites, or if there's any update for the autonomous positioning within the broader business. Uh,
3: so autonomous, autonomous is we're really focused on on Boddington at this point in time, um, and that's all progressing uh, progressing very nicely. Uh, those trucks will start to arrive in the, in the not too distant future, um, coming out of the, the factory in uh, Peoria. Uh, and a nice uh, a nice uh, Caterpillar um, AHS uh, test facility being uh, commissioned in the next few weeks, just up the road from Boddington. So we're very well positioned to have a good um, Caterpillar dealer support for uh, other operations. Uh, where we look to you, you want to take as, as as I did many years ago with um, with AHS in the Pilbara, you, you build your pilot site within the business, you prove up what it can do and then you look at how it can be modelled across the rest of the business. So that's step one strategically um, and we're probably eyeing off those big projects that sit at Pre-Feasibility Study, uh, not Abieta, Never Union, Galore Creek as to how autonomous haulage could help those projects improve the economics of those those projects as we optimise them at the PFS stage uh, and then look to see whether there's any application in our existing um, existing other operations. But that's the uh that's, that's the strategic approach with AHS beyond Boddington at this point in time.
6: Thanks, thanks, Tom. I guess the last one from me, you, you talked a lot about COVID impacts, but maybe to ask it a different way, if there's one site or maybe two sites that you're still most concerned about as being the most vulnerable, I assume it's South America, but um, are you able to give colour on a particular site, is it um, What what? keeps you up at night as as the key risk from a COVID site?
3: Yeah, it would, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the countries that, and how those countries are managing um, the, the pandemic are the ones that, that concern me. I'm very confident about our ability to manage um, the risk of the spread of the infection at any one of our operations. The protocols are the same everywhere. My worry is more around the community spread, and then the, the governments um, needing to take action. And uh, Mexico and Peru would be those those two countries that we watch we watch carefully. Um, but nothing nothing in terms of what's happening on our side. It's more about how those countries are managing the health crisis. Thanks, Tom. That's it from me. All the best. Thanks, mate.
2: Our next question comes from Tanya Jackyukonic of Scotia Bank. Please go ahead.
7: Uh, yes. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, Rob, I just wanted to circle back on Eleanor again, um, so that I understand it correctly. I, I think you know originally when we um, you took over um, the Goldcorp portfolio, I think um, Eleanor was viewed as a mine that would be looking somewhere in the sort of the 325,000 ounce range or thereabouts. The, the the change to 250 now as you've reset it. You know, is it is it a combination that you know? And again, I I, I maybe missed this. Is your views on, on the reserve, or is it you, the, there's more dilution to to this overall plan, or less doping that that you have to do on an annual basis? Not less doping, yeah, less doping because of the, the the pressures that you have to open it up uh, for. I'm just trying to understand what change have you seen now, and 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 the second part is do you expect to get the the synergies that you had originally anticipated from this asset?
4: Tanya, uh, thank you. And uh, just to uh, touch base on on your question, I I hope I kind of go down the right road for you. But uh, essentially, you know, over the the, the last year that uh, we've had the asset, you know just doing more geotechnical investigation through our experts and more geological modeling, including structural geology, our understanding is is so much greater. you know, so when we've been able to see what we've got in practice with also the modeling, that's that's been the biggest change, and we've been able to adapt and refine. So it's really been around the mining practices which are being put in place to the way in which the ore presents. And the condition which the ore is under, that's essentially what we're dealing with, and so it's it's certainly not uh, uh, because the, the 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 material is not there, it's how we're actually mining it and I think that's that's the key thing which I'd certainly say, Tanya, and that's why I still remain very, very focused on the opportunity at Eleanor. We are still doing the exploring both, you know, downward uh, to see if the ore body continues plus out on both sides, uh, as well as the full potential projects. And uh, again, none of the full potential projects are rocket science. It truly is the basics. And I think that uh, as we get Eleanor fit for purpose, you know, at its fighting weight around 250, you know, we're going to see, you know, those uh, those synergies continue. And I think it's important to say that, you know, the the likes of the support for Eleanor is now already coming from Denver. The supply chain is now coming from Denver. The G&A is being supported, you know, from Vancouver as well as Denver. So we're already seeing the softer uh, synergies there. But in the mine itself, it, it really is focusing on the basics and making sure that we're mining that ore body the way it should be mined.
3: Uh, you okay. maybe just one of our overall synergies tenure, I think uh Illinois was um twenty five million bucks,
7: yeah yeah, oh, okay, uh maybe we'll take this offline uh, to get more into the technical details, uh maybe one for nancy if I could um nancy what as you look at your balance sheet um and you look at that free cash flow that uh you know, is being generated, and you did say half of it back into the business and uh, half back to, to uh, shareholders. Can you just remind me what's the minimum cash balance that you like to keep on the balance sheet to run your business?
0: Yeah, we've talked about that in the past, ten years. We certainly don't have a hard and fast around that. I would say generally we, we keep in mind the fact that in certain countries we, we do need to keep certain balances, or we have tax leakage coming back to the US. So it's a very complex network of where we're going to spend capital and where we're generating free cash flow. I would say generally speaking, that number for us is around $2 billion, but it certainly does matter to us where that cash is available for different purposes. So yeah, I would I would sort of say in that 2 billion range, um, sometimes higher if we're getting ready to enter a period of capital uh, development capital work, but that's probably the minimum at the at the
7: lower end of the cycle okay great thank
5: you thanks tanya
2: our next question comes from adam Graf of b riley fbr please go ahead
5: oh thank you uh good morning uh tom rob and nancy thanks for taking my question just looking at the slides um i was struck by the the big impact on gap earnings from the uh from the change in value from your equity portfolio and uh, was curious if maybe you could discuss, um, you know, the, the process and and uh, the speed uh, that you guys are going through those interests and uh, and how you're sorting through them and deciding what to get rid of and when.
1: Thanks,
3: Adam. Um, I might uh, pick that one up and get uh, Nancy to uh, pick up some of that um, uh, that question as well. we we continuing to to look at cleaning up that equity portfolio we we talked about um uh, the the group of um the group of equities that we'd um we didn't see fit fitted with our um our portfolio going forward and looking at ways that we could potentially uh, package them up and and sell them so that work is um is continuing um and um and obviously, in the current price cycle, we want to make sure we get uh, full fair value for those as well so we're not racing to do anything there, but we're still testing the market with those that don't have a strategic fit um you' We've also seen um, um some of the, the swings at roundabouts which Nancy might touch upon but where we you saw that um that that value come off and then that value in the first quarter and then that value came back up again as markets recovered so you may be seeing some of that flow through with with those equities as um as, as uh, gold price moved around with the with the pandemic, Nancy, is there anything you'd add to Adam's question?
0: Yeah, I would just say that our unrealized uh, holding gain losses on that portfolio was about 227 million or 28 cents, and then the other piece of that is there was a tax benefit uh, recognized resulting from those changes. So that's that's really that's really the impact of that portfolio, and it's, it's really just relative to I'm sure uh, valuation around current gold prices.
5: Sure, sure. Um maybe just to change the subject, uh can you guys do you do you have a schedule or an idea of when you guys be might be able to give us some more details uh regarding uh, uh capex and, and grades and sort of a summarized mine plan for the Yanacocha Yanacocha sulfide project? Um
3: Adam, it's probably going to be into next year as we, we work through our um, definitive feasibility study work and get and get closer to that, that full funds approval, um, or potentially as we uh, as we issue our, um, we could give some more colour as we issue our our uh, guidance again later this year. Um, so we'd look for a milestone like that or or closer to, to full funds uh, to provide an update. I mean that that information we're sharing now from memory came with last year's um, uh, guidance issue in December, so that's typically when we'd, um, as we revisit our plan and, um, and update numbers and update our guidance, that would um, be the logical place to, to maybe give some more cover on that project.
5: All right, thank you. The rest of my questions been answered. Thanks a lot, guys.
3: Great, thanks, Adam.
2: Our next question comes from Michael Dudas of Vertical Research Partners. Please go ahead.
3: Uh, good morning, gentlemen, and Nancy. Morning, Mike. Um, Tom, maybe want to just you could share your thoughts on you know it's been the one year anniversary for the joint venture in Nevada. Uh, your perspective from when it
5: and when you engaged to where you are today, and and how you see it from uh, from Newmont standpoint.
3: from my perspective mike it was a joint venture that should have been done a long time ago and i'm pleased that uh, we we're able to get it done um, in the first quarter of last year and bring those two assets together um, you had in newmont and you had in barrack um, mature assets that uh, were both um, uh, starting to, to enter into the uh, twilight stages of, of their life and and declining production profiles, and I think the ability to bring those ore bodies and those processing plants together uh, brings life into those assets for both organisations and for those communities through uh, northern Nevada. So I think it was uh, a very good transaction um, that is creating value for both Newmont and uh, Barrick shareholders, and the whole... Is definitely worth more than the sum of the individual parts. So I think it was uh, continues for me to be a very good transaction. And quite frankly, I think it's a transaction that should have been done uh, some time ago. And I think uh, too many egos got in the way uh, on both the Newmont side and the Barrick side. And I'm pleased it's done. Yeah, I think everybody agrees with that thought. Uh, how about relative to you know production cost, the expectations that Barrick have put through relative to what you envisioned? Is that you feel that's on the right track, and maybe this could continue to be upside because of some of the power of those synergies that you cited. Yeah, so certainly, we, um, I mean, as as the uh, junior partner in the the JV, we're looking to see the synergies realised, um, and we uh, we continue to to provide support and influence to to see the value uh, from those synergies uh, coming through. Uh, there is. Um, there are some very straightforward synergies, and then there are some that are harder to get as you uh, as you start to optimise mine plans around that uh, that double refractory uh, double refractory ore. So we're we're keen to see those flow through, and we can keen to influence and support in seeing those flow through. Uh, the team also have, uh, have had uh, have had to manage through um, the COVID pandemic, as we all have, and I think uh, Greg Walker and the team have done a, um, a yeoman's job in in terms of navigating through. Uh, the pandemic um, and, um, and managing all the impacts that come from that that uh, impact on both your production and cost performance. So, uh, Continue to, to work with, with Barrick as the operator and uh, keen to see those synergies flow through.
1: That's all from me. Thank you.
3: Thanks, Mike.
2: This concludes the question and answer session. I would now like to turn the conference back over to Tom Palmer for any closing remarks.
3: Uh, thank you all for joining us today, and, uh, and please, uh, as we continue to manage the, uh, the impacts of this nasty virus, please, uh, you and your families uh, stay and keep safe and well, and we look forward to talking to you in the not-too-distant future. Thank you, everybody.
2: The conference has now concluded. Thank you for attending today's presentation, and you may now disconnect.